Streak off of here and go down the side. They do. Stock's got it. He's got running room. Stock could dive. Hang it up. It's good. It's good. The Jazz win it. The Jazz win it. I can't believe it. The Jazz win it. Clarkson feeling it on a lob. Oh, my. Oh, you have to love it. Clarkson to Mitchell. A thing of beauty. Rudy gets turned around. The long right. Blocked. Oh, my. Where did he come from? Welcome back to Home Court Press, bright and early on a Friday morning. This is your host, Brian Priest. I'm joined once again today by McCade Pearson. McCade, how you doing, sir? We're good. We're talking real basketball. We're talking real basketball. We've actually got a plan in place that has been approved. It sounds like the Board of Governors uh, took Adam Silver's return to play plan and approved it yesterday on a conference call. And now it's just up to the Players Union to approve it today, which uh, by all accounts, it sounds like that's basically a formality. So before we even get started, McCade, I got to give you all the credit in the world because when we were talking yesterday about this return to play plan, Pretty much everything you predicted in terms of the amount of days that this eight-game regular season or seeding process is going to take, it'll be 16 days. It's going to be five or six games a day. One one part where you were a little bit wrong, but I, mean, I can't even fault you, is there's going to be three courts instead of two. I um, knew there were three courts. I just heard that they were using one for practices only. Well, way to so, go, McCade. Way to I'm go. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm getting close to perfection, but I'm not quite there yet. We're, we're, we're going to keep working on it for you, man. We're, we'll do this together. One day at a time. <laughs> Another spot where you were, you were perfectly accurate. Every team's going to play at least one back-to-back, uh, and I would imagine only one back-to-back. Um, and then in terms of start dates for playoffs and things like that, uh, fans expect the, the NBA to aggressively move up playoff series, start dates, things like that. So if you know, the the 1-8 matchup in the West, Lakers, say it's Lakers-Grizzlies, 4-5 is Jazz Rockets as it sits right now. If both of those series end up in sweeps, they're going to move that second round matchup up several days and start it a, as quickly as possible because they want to get through this and they want to try and get players rest going into next season. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, talking about the... Uh, playoffs and, and games themselves the finals format is to expect the the finals to have games every other day once we reach that point and that's going to be late september early october i i mean in terms of those things mccade what do you think it, it was pretty much what we talked about yesterday and like i said it was almost everything you predicted spot on <laughs> yeah i spent a couple hours looking at calendars and trying to figure out life but um nope spot on the final should start september 30th i love that they're being aggressive and moving um series up as much as possible you'd much rather have two days off between game six and game seven than six days off between game four and game one Mm -hmm. of your new series so might as well if you're gonna have a few rest days might as well have it between games instead of between series with everyone right there they have tons of flexibility to do what they need to do in the moment um which is good they did a good job of making sure that no matter what happens i'm not gonna say they're prepared for it but they have ideas for it, and that's all you can ask for in this world right now. So yeah. it's exciting. Um, I was interested that they called the eight games a seeding process and not part of the regular season. Um, so lottery odds are locked. We can talk about that. But I'm going to assume 
that they're going to count it regular season for purpose of two-way players, as in two-way players will be allowed to play in the seeding section. And then I'm also going to assume on another level, two-way players aren't allowed to play in the playoffs. I think they allow them to play in this year's playoffs because you want more than 15 guys on your roster. Yeah, you bring up a, a, a couple good questions there and things that I didn't see. Uh, one, we saw some answers for in terms of the lottery. So let's look at that really quick. Uh, what the yep. NBA decided to do to avoid any potential tanking from some of the teams that are involved in this seeding process, the uh, the Suns, Wizards, and Grizzlies specifically. So the, the Suns and, and Wizards were in a position where if the NBA hadn't frozen these lottery odds, they, they could tank in the tournament and theoretically move up in their draft position. So, like I said, what the NBA did is they took the bottom 14 teams in the league, those 14 lottery positions, and as of March 11th, based on the the um, records through the season and the uh, win percentage, so not even necessarily record, but win percentage, and the 14 uh, lottery odds are set based on win percentage. Uh, and so an example there, like if Memphis, they're in the eight seed at, at this moment, if they fall out of the eight seed in the West, they're going to have the 14th best lottery odds no matter what. They can't go 0-8 and move up and improve their lottery odds. Same for Phoenix and Washington. They're, they're stuck where they are in the lottery no matter what happens in this seeding process. Um, and then rosters was the other question you brought up, talking about two-way players. And that's something I haven't seen any information on. I think that's one of the aspects the NBA is waiting to see how things are going to go and how many they, – they talked about traveling parties of no more than 35 for each team participating in this. And so it, teams are, are going to have to make decisions, and the NBA is still going to have to make a decision in terms of whether two-way players are going to be eligible for the playoffs, how many players teams can have on their roster, because there's going to be a lot of off time in Orlando, and they're going to have more practice opportunities than NBA teams normally have during the regular season and playoffs. So you would expect to have expanded rosters, even if it's not necessarily game rosters, but at least practice rosters, I would imagine, will be bumped up to 20 or so. But we're still waiting to see on that. Yes, and so with... And then, you know, this is kind of talking way out, but they're going to try and do a quick turnaround for next year. So it makes sense to sign your 2020-2021 training camp guys right now and let them be part of this experience. Mm -hmm. Then this is a, hey, keep it at 17, and then add three guys between October 12th and November 10th. Um, It'd be the same thing in principle. So (laughs) might as well just get those guys part of the team right now preparing for next year. Yeah, I think Um, a, a comparison with that would be like the NFL, if anybody's familiar with their futures contracts. The NFL can exactly. sign guys, have them on their roster and practicing, but they're not actually rostered players. So, yeah, I think that's kind of what equivalent what you're talking about with hopefully what the NBA does. But, um, no, it should be a lot of fun. One more thing. So the schedule, I believe, I haven't heard anything official, but I believe they're just going to make a brand-new schedule because if they try and go in the order, it's going to get super complicated. You're going to have teams playing back-to-back-to-backs, and it's not going to work. It's not realistic at all. So I don't know how much they'll try and keep it taped together, but expect a brand new schedule. I'm also interested to see the NBA has a rule that you can't play two games within 22 hours of each other. So you can have back-to-backs, but they, you know, when you're in the real world, you play one night and you play the next night, 24 hours later, maybe mm-hmm. 23 if you change the time zone. But the NBA rule is 22 hours. So with games going on all day, you can't have a team play one night and then play the next morning. And so that could be a little complicated as well. So they'll have to be careful with that. Okay. Um, but they'll figure it out. They have computers and math and lots lot smarter people than us to figure that out. Um, but it should be really fun. It should be really aggressive. You should be very 
into it and intense for those eight games, especially for two to seven in the West. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be a really exciting time for fans because every team is going to come into this. It's it's essentially even if you're one of those six teams that aren't currently in a playoff spot, you're you're basically, I mean not not a hundred percent, but you're you're almost starting over at zero and zero and trying to earn a playoff spot right there. If you can go out and win six out of eight, then you know a team like the Blazers has a great chance at making the playoffs at that point, or at least putting uh-huh, themselves they in against a. It. We can't give yeah. them the benefit of the doubt. That's true. Maybe we shouldn't use the Blazers as our <laughs> example because they are the one team that voted against it. But, no, it, it'll be fun, and the NBA does a great job with scheduling. Um, last couple things here before we want to talk about some of the permutations that we might see from from this this tournament and actual on-court performance um, just the last couple of dates. You mentioned the finals game seven scheduled for October 12th, and that leaves – just a little under four weeks between the end of the finals and the reopening of training camp for the 2021 season. <laughs> so, I mean, let me go through these dates here. We've got the draft lottery scheduled for August 25th, which is something that I think people like you and I, we love the draft lottery. I'll sit down in front of the TV with some popcorn and watch the lottery because it's just good drama. It's a fun time. Uh, and then with the I season... I got my own ping, ball ball, uh, ping pong ball set just so I can simulate the lottery. Of course little, you do. Little nerd <laughs> fact about me right there. So with the season ending October 12th, we've got the draft scheduled for three days later, October 15th, with free agency starting three days after the draft, October 18th. So we really might be looking at a year once the NBA comes back on July 31st. It won't be gone again for a full calendar year. <laughs> it's just a pinch me now. That's that's wonderful. If, if everyone stays healthy, both COVID and just muscles and bodies and normal mm-hmm. basketball injuries, it should be a really fun year. Uh, a couple things that I'm still curious about, but I'll talk to my source at ESPN today, is um, one, is there going to be a more anthem period? Because the order you make moves is very, very important. That's why the NBA won't let you officially sign for six days in July, because mm-hmm. you can make all these moves and then reorder them the way you need to. So that's a question I have. And two, what do you do with, I'm assuming all player team ETO options like Mike Conley will be October 17th. That just makes sense. But like, George Niang has a uh, non-guaranteed contract date of July 9th. So where does that get placed? Does that get placed October 27th? Does that get placed October 21st? Does that get placed October 17th? I'm not sure. A couple of things like that I'm still a little curious about with free agency because it's so fast-paced, mm-hmm. but the order matters so much um, how exactly that works. But uh, either way, that's a really fun week to go from Game 7 of the NBA Finals to everyone trying to be signed by October 25th. Yeah. Well, and I think logically it makes sense for the league. Uh, as you bring it up, it's not a decision that they've made or at least released to the public, but it, it makes sense for them to really just kind of shift the entire league calendar. So you, know, you talk about that uh, George Niang option on his contract. You just kind of shift that to when the offseason is instead of July 9th. You, you move it to November 9th or something like that. And I know it's not it's not necessarily that easy, but it seems like the between the players association and the owners group and Adam Silver, these 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 groups seem to be working together very well with each other. So I would expect that to be something that is essentially It'll just a semantics. Just the public finds out details. Yep, yep, exactly. And then uh, I've annoyed guy at ESPN here or there and I'll see if I can figure out some stuff. Perfect. Yeah, bring bring some of that inside information for us here at Home Court Press. Um, last thing in terms of the the plans for the NBA here with this restart is um, health wise. 
they they don't have a lot in place uh, that they released to the public for testing and things like that. But they did say that they anticipate doing daily COVID nineteen testing. But there's just there's going to be a lot more planning that has to go into that, and there's going to be a lot of things that change between now and then. Which again, is I think why they announced these dates and le- the rest of the planning process is is still in in the works. Yeah, it's, they gave themselves two, themselves two months for a reason. One of the reasons is player health was getting a training camp, but mm-hmm. that gives them time to adjust to what's going on as things get closer instead of saying, well, I think this is where we're at now. It's just like flattening the curve. We got to buy time, and they did a good job doing that. Mm-hmm. So no, they- I have no concerns that they'll figure that stuff out. I don't know how public it will be. It doesn't really need to be. But as you said, the all the groups involved have done a great job of working together, which sounds easy like it sounds like everyone oh everyone wants basketball back but you can look at some other sports soccer has some big bumps in the road baseball's still struggling they did a good job yeah definitely uh-huh. uh with that we're gonna take a quick break and then when we come back we'll we'll send it over to mccade and just talk about what the what the playoffs could look like how things could shake out and uh just what what is up for grabs with this seeding tournament and then as we go into the playoffs so thanks for joining home court press thanks for listening to the pod today everyone home court press can be found online at kbear.com just go to kbear.com forward slash home court press and you can also find it on any of the major pod catchers also while you're checking out those pod catchers and looking for home court press if you could give us a five-star rating that would be appreciated those five-star ratings set up an algorithm to get us near the top of the list so more people will see the pod and, and we we can spread it around a little bit farther. And last but not least, make sure to follow myself, Brian Priest, on Twitter at bpriest24. And you can also find our co-host, McCade Pearson, at McCadep8. That's M-C-C-A-D-E-P-8. And welcome back to Home Court Press. Your host, Brian Priest, joined once again by McCade Pearson. And we are talking actual NBA basketball. We just got done talking about the plan for the NBA to return July 31st in Orlando. And now let's actually look at the teams and some of the standings right now and what what fans can expect. So, I mean, let's start in the West, McCade, because those three through seven spots in the Western Conference are insane in terms of what can happen over the course of eight games going into the playoffs. Yeah, I'd even... We'll see what the Clippers do, especially with Kawhi and how off balance he is about playing back to backs and that kind of thing. Because teams are gonna have to walk a fine line between getting back in rhythm and like not over working their players. So I'll even throw in the two seed there, although I think the Clippers hold on to it. They're not they're only a game and a half ahead of the Nuggets, only three games ahead of us. Um so yeah, you're not gonna have two and seven swap, but two to five is very flexible and four to seven is very flexible. So the Jazz are kinda of in the middle of both those groups. Mm-hmm. The first thing that caught my eye, because I'm a huge, I love building schedules and all that stuff. And so tiebreakers are a huge thing for me. But everyone's played a different amount of games, so tiebreakers don't matter this year. Um, they do with the Clippers, which we have two to one, and we don't play them a fourth time. But like the Nuggets, we played a different amount of games, so no tiebreaker there. Either ahead of them or above them. Um, Thunder, we're 1 1 right now. So that game against the Thunder will not only decide a win and a loss, but also the tiebreaker. Um, the Rockets, we don't have the tiebreaker with. And the Mavericks have played like three more games than every other team in the league. So there's no tiebreaker concerns with Dallas. So especially with Oklahoma City, it's going to be an interesting one to watch. Because if you beat them, and let's just assume that's our first game. As I said, they're going to make it the schedule, but let's just assume that's our first game. That first game right off the bat is going to be worth two games in the standings. 
really three, depending on how you calculate and look at it. Because it's going to give one team a win, it's going to give the other team a loss, and it's going to give that team a tiebreaker. So that's a huge cutoff point right there when we play Oklahoma City, which is why that game, when everything got canceled, was going to be so big, and then it didn't get played. But um, it's just, yeah, super fluid. Every game is going to be important. And we talk about beating bad teams like Minnesota or I think we had another game against Atlanta. Um, there aren't those anymore, which means now your bad teams you have to beat are the San Antonio, Memphises, and New Orleans of the world. Yeah, the, the floor of the NBA schedule has significantly risen with this 22-game yeah. seeding process. Yes, it's... It's gonna be it's gonna be a playoff series, basically. You've got to treat this like five rounds of the playoffs, except you know the first round's not going seven games; it's going eight. Um, and at the same time, it doesn't really matter that much. Okay, you fall, you finish sixth, whatever. You're not having to travel. You you know you play Denver, whatever. And so it's just gonna be a weird balance. It's gonna be a weird. This is the place where coaches are gonna be able to make their money, as they approach this thing with different strategies for different teams. Um, but I expect the Jazz to go full out and try and win all eight games because I'd much rather be playing Dallas and then Denver or Dallas and then the Clippers than, you know, the Rockets and Lakers. So it is matter. It's a little luck based, but it also is you win your games and it takes care of itself. I'm a huge believer in I'd rather win my last eight games and then play the Lakers. Obviously that's not possible, but I'd rather win my last eight games and play the Lakers than lose my last eight games and play the Warriors or the Timberwolves. Like, Go in on a hot streak, and whatever happens, happens. So how um, did the Jazz match up with some of their, their opponents that we're looking at in these last eight games? We talked about it a lot yesterday. Two games with the Spurs, yeah. two games with the, the Lakers. They've got a game with the Clippers. Uh, the, the Thunder we've already talked about. I mean, it's it's a really tough stretch for the Jazz. So without Bojan... I, are, are the Jazz going to be able to come out and actually compete in these games? You know, really, the the question comes down not are the Jazz going to be able to compete. Can Mike Conley substitute a, and make up for some of those minutes and points that Bojan provides? And can we count on him, which we haven't been able to do this season? <laughs> that is a that is a big big question. I keep coming back to that Thunder game because a it's the only game we play against two to seven in the West. We have a really weird schedule because we play the Lakers twice. And then we play for the bottom teams. And I can't remember who our eighth game is. It's somebody in the East probably that I'm missing. Um, anyway, so that Thunder game is the only game we have between two to seven in the West. And they play such a weird lineup where they go with their three guards and Chris Paul, SGA, and Dennis Schroeder. Where the Jazz match up well with that, especially without Boyan, because we can't go big either. Yeah. Well, teams can't play a power forward, and Rudy Gobert does just fine with Steven Adams. And so them playing with their three guards gives us the opportunity to be like, you know what, let's throw out Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Donovan Mitchell, not worry about it. Mm-hmm. I agree. And so, as I said, that's going to be the biggest game, not only because of what I mentioned a couple minutes ago in terms of standings, but because that's going to be the only matchup where we play a potential playoff opponent. Like, somehow, just the way our schedule broke, we don't play anyone we're going to play in the playoffs. So it's just going to be weird. It's going to be unique, and that's what, that's what makes sports fun, though. They're always weird and unique. So that Oklahoma City game is going to be key. I still hate the matchup with Houston. I like the matchup with Denver. I talked about that yesterday. Um, but I want to match up with the Clippers second round, not only to avoid the Lakers, 
but I do think we match up well with the Clippers. And we almost match up. We'll see which way the Jazz go. There's rumors of them starting Yang. There's rumors of them starting Joe. But if, depending on how the Jazz decide to push out their lineups, I think we almost match up with the Clippers a little bit better without Boyan than we would with. Um, oh, see, I got to disagree about, with you, you there. About that a little bit. I, I, I don't see how we could match up with the Clippers better. I mean, maybe for a, a possession here and there, but over the course of forty-eight minutes, missing Boyan uh, offensively—that's a huge blow against a, a Clippers team that. The, the Jazz are going to struggle with on the offensive end anyway because of their length and just defensive prowess, one through five. And then without Bojan, it's just one less shooter on the floor. I, I think it's a far worse matchup now. See, and here's my thing with the Clippers that maybe this is my fire starter a little early today. But in my experience and what I've looked at is rim protection is the key. Like, I'd rather have a defender that defends the rim than defends a player because the ball is always trying to get to the rim. Um, and I've talked about that in previous podcasts, I believe. But the Clippers have some really good perimeter defenders, namely Beverly, Paul George, Chris Paul. But if they have three defenders like that, and the Jazz can put four ball handlers on the court, say Conley, Clarkson, Mitchell, and Joe, or you know even Royce is good enough, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you just do what we did to Carmelo, and you just tear Lou Williams apart. Because um, if they even have one weak link on their on the court who can't guard one of our quick guards if we go with theoretically four guards, then Rudy Gobert and whichever guard has the bad defender, I think could really do damage to the Clippers defense. That you're only as strong perimeter wise as your weakest defender. And I don't think the Clippers have that elite elite defense because of it. Just like the Thunder a couple years ago, Paul George was great. Russell Westbrook's not awful. Um, their role players weren't awful, but we just kicked on Carmelo for three, four, five games down the stretch. See, but, I think you can do a little bit of that with the Clippers and force Lou Williams off the court and see who they replace and mess them there because Rudy Gobert is going to dominate the paint against Zubac and whoever else they have. Um, big key there is also Montrez Harrell. Now he comes off the bench and plays. Mm-hmm. If he plays four, can the Jazz match that forward? That's, you know, that's a big story for the whole playoffs. Can the Jazz play power forward at all? But I think I still think the Jazz offensively match up really well against the Clippers defense because we have so many ball handlers. And perimeter defense guys like Kawhi and Paul George can only shut down one of them. So if they decide to shut down Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell, you just trust Clarkson and Ingles to run your offense and roll with it. Um, and Quinn Snyder trusts them to do that. So that would be my thing is see if you can get into the Clippers bracket, but I would never lose a game to do that. And here's why I disagree with you, because I, I think you, you've got a good point on the surface with, with Pat Bev, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard defending the perimeter. And yeah, say, say the Jazz have four ball handlers on the floor and Rudy – but what the Clippers can easily do is then they, they throw Marcus Morris Sr. in at power forward, and they, they slide everybody else down. So Kawhi Leonard yeah. is now your, your small forward. Paul George is your two guard. Pat Bev is your point guard. And then you can guard all four ball handlers. Marcus Morris can, can defend a Joe Ingles on the perimeter. Yeah, and uh, and so, you have to work around and see if you can't get a good matchup or just let Clarkson take him one-on-one or something. It would be a brilliant chess game for sure. It would. I, I, and, I mean, really, we've seen Quinn and Doc Rivers go at it in the playoffs before, yeah. and it was an amazing playoff series because of that chess match you're talking about. Yeah. So, so it would be super fun. Um, and I do feel a lot more confident with trying to figure out how to play four against Morris than I do about playing four against Anthony Davis. Yeah, yeah, I, I give you that. I'd rather see Marcus <laughs> so, Morris lining up against me over Anthony Davis. So last question I have for you, McCade, and, and I will yeah. start this off. 
Um, what would you have done instead of what the NBA is doing with this eight games? For me, I, I really would have loved to everything that they're doing, I think, is perfect, except go one step farther for the playoffs and just go one through 16. There was talk for a few days about doing that. And and you would essentially make it like an NCAA bracket, just just one portion of that bracket, one through sixteen. So the Lakers would play whoever the sixteenth team, the magic. In the, the, the magic, yeah. And and then you would go two fifteen. Uh, in that scenario, it does have the Jazz playing the Rockets right now at seven ten, but they're playing these eight games, so those seedings could yeah. move around. And I think that because of the imbalance we've seen in the NBA between the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference for. I mean, it's years. it's close to two. De- yeah, it's close to over two decades. It's forever yeah. at this point, and I, I think if you go one through sixteen, yeah, you you do have some tough travel matchups. But let's face it, these guys are on private flights, and even if it, even if you're you're playing the the Lakers against the Heat in the first round, it's okay flying from L.A. to Miami on your private plane, and you've got days in between games. It's not that big of a well, deal. You, go, you could go back to two three two instead of two two one one one. Yeah, there are and things you could do. Flights from max of four to max of two. So, what would you have done if you could have had your your druthers? What would have been the best case scenario in terms of the NBA returning and how they structure it? I like the idea of the top sixteen, but obviously the problem is. You're not going to have the Bucks vote yes because they don't want to play the Clippers and the Lakers. You're not going to have the Nets vote yes. They'd rather play the Raptors and the Bucks, and so on and so forth. You're just not going to convince Easter Conference teams to do it because of what you just said. <laughs> because yeah. they know how awful they are. That's true. Um, I, but I think if the conferences ever even out, as I said, it's been 22 years. I think the East won the head-to-head one year by like full games, but it's basically been 22 years of the West just dominating. Um, if it ever evens out for even a couple years, you might see that flip get switched. Um, I had proposed a few ideas. I didn't mind the World Cup thing, um, which we won't spend too much time on, but like that seemed like a fun eight-game intense playoff. First round of the playoffs. The other thing I've thrown out there is to do – I was I, my idea was to do three ladder tournaments simultaneously over a week before the playoffs start. Um, so what does that entail? So I was going to have the top six in the East do one, the top six in the West do one, and then seven through 10 in both conferences do one. Um, which you could obviously change a little bit, but just in short, I'll just like run through the Western conference example. So what I would have had is on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Monday, the Lakers and Clippers play winner gets the one seed. Okay. The Nuggets and Jazz play winner moves up, loser moves down and the Thunder and Rockets play loser gets the six seed. And then on Wednesday, you'd have the loser of the top game and the winner of the middle game play the w- winner of the bottom. Sorry, the loser of the middle game, the winner of the bottom game. Winners and losers get the two and five seed. And then on Friday, you have the two remaining teams play. Winner gets the three seed, loser gets the four seed. Sounds kind of complex. You look at a picture, it's really not that hard to follow. Um, but what it gives you is it gives the one and two seeds will finish somewhere between one and four. The three and four seeds will finish somewhere between two and five. And the five and six seeds We'll finish somewhere between three and six, but it just gives you games to play for one to three games to get warmed up. And then same in the Eastern conference. And then I was going to have eight teams do that on a Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, which would give you four playoff teams and four eliminated teams. There would be a path where you'd have 10 West teams in the playoffs. Cause that's the solution to the 16 thing is, which the MLS did this. If you're a soccer fan, this is how RSL won their championship in 2009. Mm-hmm. Yes. They played in the Eastern conference playoffs. Um, did you know that? Are you a soccer fan? 
Oh yeah, I I followed that okay. that whole run. Yeah, but they were in the Eastern Conference playoffs because they weren't good enough to make the playoffs in the West, but they were better than the worst team in the East. So you could do that where like, oh, you're the ninth seed in the West, but you're better than the eighth seed in the East. Just take the East eighth playoff spot. And I think that's the short term answer to uh, the 16 team playoff idea. You can keep the conferences, and I do love the rivalries of, oh my gosh, we have to play Chris Paul for the fourth straight year in the playoffs. Like that's fun. But you also want to get the 16 best teams in. So, hey, I've always yeah. been I've always been a fan of if you really want to be the best, you beat the team that beats you. So for the Jazz matchup this year, I maybe I'm a glutton for punishment, but I kind of want them to play the Rockets, the Rockets because I I just think we match up well, and the the small ball is going to be tough in the playoffs. I, I said it from the very yeah. beginning. For one game, that small ball is really difficult to match up against. For seven games, when you're game planning, I, I think the the Jazz could defeat the Rockets this year. They they could also lose in five again. I mean, it really could go either way. But I could see a scenario where the Jazz beat the Rockets and honestly beat them kind of handily. Yeah. So, and that's the fun of it. I was looking through this just the last day because you know Jordan was saying, "Oh, like every team deserves to lose. Every championship team wants to lose. They just want to see how long it takes them to lose." And so I was looking through, and it was something crazy. I'd have to go back and find I think I tweeted out, but like 15 of the 19 teams that have won the title between 1980 and 2000, 1980 and 1988, had beat the team they lost to the year before in the playoffs or had repeated. So, like, it is very torch passing. Like, you, you have to lose to a team and then beat that team if you want to win a championship. It was very, very rare that that did not happen. Um. So, yeah, it would be nice to get over the Rockets home. Yeah, it would feel really good as a Jazz fan to see that happen. But, McCade, do you have anything else for us today? No, we got a, what left, 58 days, something we, like that. We, we got, basketball. let's see, 30 days in June. So so we are looking at about 35 days until training camps start. And uh, I I really can't wait. Uh, I'm excited to see the, the Jazz start getting back into the Zion's Bank basketball facility here in Salt Lake. Several players are here in town. We've seen several participating in these protests. So hopefully they can get back in shape and, and to a point where they can play safely without uh, putting themselves in, in more danger of injury than they are in a normal NBA game. But, you know, that'll, that'll wrap us up. I guess we'll just wait and see how this is going to go. Thanks for joining us on Home Court Press. McCade, where can the masses find you on Twitter? At McCadePA, that's at M-C-C-A-D-E-P-A. Um, if you're confused about my playoff idea, um, I'll tweet out a picture of that. Um, but yeah, just, we can talk about anything basketball. Hit me up. You know where to find me now. Always good information from McCade. I, I love looking at the various Excel spreadsheets that he posts. Yeah, he talks about he created that schedule for the playoffs, and he, he, he does a lot of different stuff and deep dives into the numbers. Uh, so really good information. Be sure and f- follow him on Twitter, and then you can also find me, Brian Priest, on Twitter at bpriest24. That's at B-P-R-E-E-C-E 24. Thanks for listening to Home Court Press, and have a wonderful weekend.